All right, so Matt, I was walking through the woods here the other day, and I saw this suitcase just laying randomly in the woods. And I normally don't like touching stuff because, you know, it's haunted. It can be weird. But I noticed curled up under the suitcase, there was a fox and four cubs. So, really? yeah, I was a little worried about it. So I called the um, game wardens, you know, told them what I'd found. And the guy was like, well, that's terrible. You know, are, are the foxes moving? And I said, well, I don't know, but I guess that would explain the suitcase. <laughs> good evening everybody and welcome to the graveyard thank you for joining us tonight my name is adam and my name's matt now pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is Graveyard Tales. <laughs> All right, everybody, here we are again. Matt, how you doing tonight, brother? Hey, I'm good, brother. Excellent, excellent. Same here. Just another day in paradise. So, uh, you know, something just really weird happened today, just hours before. Um, I got home from work, and all all the kids had something going on, which is rare that I get home and there's not at least one child here. Mm-hmm. Um, so the house was completely empty. So you walked so, around naked, huh? So I walked around naked, <laughs> you know, it's what I do. Right. You know, I, I get to do it maybe once, once in a blue moon. Uh, <laughs> but no, so I, I, I went to the bathroom, you know, I'd just gotten home. I went into the bathroom. And so my oldest was, she went up to, she had class today. So she was at a, you know, an hour away, but I knew that she was on her way home. So I didn't think anything about it. So I'm, I'm in the bathroom and I hear a door like open and close. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, you know, Madison's home, no biggie. And I just kind of waited cause she'll go, Hey, I'm back or something like that. And I didn't hear anything. The dogs barked everything. You know, the dogs heard the door. Mm-hmm. So I looked and I thought, well, I didn't get a notification on my cameras. So I looked at my cameras for the outside and her car's not in the driveway. There's nothing at the front door there. There was nothing to make that noise. So I thought, well, that's weird. So I just, you know, I I dismissed it and went on. So I went into the kitchen and I'm standing in front of the essentially the cupboard. Okay. And then behind me. Like down the hall, I hear like three to four hand claps. Like wow. pow, 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 pow. And I mean, it was a clap. It was not anything that I I, I mistook. I mean, it, it sounded like somebody behind me clapping their hands, which is something that my son will do or something, mm-hmm. you know. So I just was like, what was that? I know. I mean, I thought at first I thought Madison got home and she's messing with me. Yeah. But she wasn't home. You know, car wasn't there. Her room's empty. There's nobody in the house. That's so weird. And I was just like, man, this is freaky. You know, but I, I swear. I mean, it was it was loud and it was a clap. Yeah, I, 
Man, <laughs> since crazy. you since you texted me about that, I I thought about it a few times. I can't figure out what would make it jump in activity like that because I know you know you have stuff happen often, but it's been a while since you've had anything happen. Yeah, it's it's been a good it's been a good long while, and then since I've had anything like that happen with you saying your son will clap occasionally randomly. It makes me wonder if it's imitating things that it has heard, you know, a door opening and closing. So it imitated that noise. Yeah. Uh, the hand clap, it imitated that because it doesn't know how, I mean, it maybe it can't do anything. I don't know. It's just, that's freaky. That's weird. And I can't figure out why it just started doing it. I know it's so weird. Cause you know, I've, I've seen in this house, been in this house 13 years. Um, I, I've seen shadow people got the, you got the black tourmaline, no more shadow people. Mm-hmm. You know, I got tourmaline all over this house. Yep. Same. No shadow people. Um, the only thing we really get anymore besides this today is we will smell cigarette smoke mm-hmm. periodically. I remember you saying that. Yeah. We have not smoked in the house in forever. I mean, we haven't smoked cigarettes in eight years. Yeah. So, you know, it's been a long time. So it's not like there's a lingering. Right. You know, it's not there. Um, but we always attribute that to Amanda's granddad. Yeah. Because he was a heavy smoker. Um, and it, but yeah, you're right. Just out of the blue for something like that to happen, just bang bang. And it could have been the fact that I was home alone. Yeah. Um. And and that I'm paying. I pay attention to that it. kind of stuff. Yeah. Maybe it happens, and you just don't realize yeah. that's what's happening because you have a house full or something. Yeah. Because you know, normally, yeah, normally it's chaos. You know, over here. Yeah. <laughs> so you've been here. Yeah. You know how it is. Yep. I got kids hanging off the rafters. Mm-hmm. Um. But but yeah, it it is it is strange that just out of the blue, I would have two uh incidents within about 10 minutes apart yeah that's weird yeah so we want to say real quick go check out the podbelly network at podbelly.com you can go on there you can find us you can listen to us from there but there's also a bunch of other shows that are also members of the podbelly network that you can listen to and i promise you there's going to be something on there you find that you enjoy and that you might not find elsewhere so go check it out podbelly.com we also want to thank tonight's sponsors We've got a new sponsor, Lumi Labs, and we'll talk about them shortly. And also Fume, who we've talked about before. But we'll talk about both those sponsors coming up in the episode. While you're on the internet doing your internet thing, and as I always say, the stuff that you're putting on private browsing so your spouse doesn't see, uh, (laughs) click off private browsing, go over to patreon.com slash graveyard tales, sign up to become a patron. We've got three different levels. Our $10 a month patrons, they get the video version of us recording this episode. They get an ad-free audio version, plus they get an audio and video version of the bonus episodes. Our $5 a month gets the audio and video of bonus episodes as well. Um, and Matt and I are still working on, we're, we're spitballing ideas for another perk for our $10 a month patrons. So, Go over there, patreon.com slash graveyard tales. Check it out. There's going to be something on there that you enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. And we've got a we've got a pretty extensive catalog now. And like I said, we've got more stuff in the works. So uh so go check it out. Right. 
All right, so let's talk microdosing, Matt. Now, I've been doing microdosing from Lumi, Lumi Labs with their microdose gummies. Yeah. And it, it's one of those things where you want to benefit, but you don't want way too much. You know, I, I think we've all had the experience where you just get too much and, you mm-hmm. know, you, you can't, you don't feel right. You can't do what you're wanting to do. Right. Yeah. You got still got to be somewhat productive. Right. Exactly. And since we found the microdose gummies from Lumi Labs, I tell you, man, it has changed my experience with body pain. And I mean, literally, I, I just took one about 10, 15 minutes before we started recording because it doesn't make me super groggy. It doesn't make me go, Whoo! you know, it keeps me right. level, even keeled, no anxiety. And it starts taking away the muscular pain that I have because it relaxes. As everybody knows, I've got chronic neck and shoulder pain. These microdose gummies have helped extremely. And Microdose was created for endocannabinoid system support and all-around wellness. And it helps you feel like you on your best days every day. Yeah, I mean, you can't beat that feeling. And everybody knows what it is. You know, you can remember when you were younger, you had that day, it was sunny, it was warm outside, and you felt like you could conquer the world. Everything felt good. You weren't hurting. You were in a great mood. And... This is what microdose gummies can help you achieve again. Um, I, you know, I deal with anxiety. Sometimes the, the stress of the day is just a little bit more than will allow me to relax and enjoy my evening at home. Mm-hmm. And, and microdose gummies help fix that. And it's been a godsend. It really has, yeah. And microdose is available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use our promo code GRAVE, G-R-A-V-E, to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. That's right. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com. That's M-I-C-R-O-D-O-S-E.com and use our promo code GRAVE, G-R-A-V-E, to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Now, links can be found in the show description, but again, that's microdose.com, code GRAY. So, Matt, that's all I've got for the intro here, so why don't you tell us, what are we talking about tonight, brother? Okay, so tonight, um, we were, we were, we came across a place that I'm really surprised we haven't come across before. That's true, yeah. Um. And and this is the the castle of Good Hope in Cape Town, South Africa. And I I, I want to say we've talked about something in South Africa before, but I'm not 100 percent sure. I don't if know. We have. It's only been one other time, and it may have been something we just mentioned in passing. Yeah. Um. But but this place not the reason I think I, I, I the reason I wonder why we didn't come across it before is it is. It is such a landmark in South Africa. I mean, it is so well known and, and revered, and um, it has such a rich history uh, behind it. Not 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 all uh, not all friendly. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Why it's haunted? Um, but it's it's just it's a really interesting place. Um, 
you know, like I said, a lot of history, a lot of a lot of dark history, uh, which is you know contributes to why it it seems to be so active. Right. So, um, like I said, the history of this place is pretty interesting. So, Adam, why don't you tell us uh, tell us about the Castle of Good Hope? All right. So, as we always say, go check our sources. Down on the bottom of the show notes, you can find where we found all this information. You can continue the research if you're so inclined. And as always, you know, we are the Cliff Notes version of the history on a lot of these places because there's usually hundreds of years that Mm -hmm. it's been accumulating history. And I don't have the time to get into it, let alone my ADD won't let me get into it. (laughs) So I try to do the Cliff Notes interesting version, but if something sparks your interest and you want to learn more, just go into our sources. And, you know, especially for places like this that Matt and I cannot go investigate, Uh then we rely heavily on people that have done it, people that live there, people that are able to travel there. So go check them out for the original source documents and all that stuff. But before we get into it, I just had, this is South Africa and as always, I'm going to mispronounce stuff. It's going to happen. Um, but like the argument I made in our Facebook group the other day, everybody would feel weird if I pronounced everything correctly. So you just, yeah. if I went through a full episode and didn't mispronounce something, you would feel creepy and like you needed a shower. So I'm, I'm just going to say I'm going to mispronounce stuff. Now, because it's South Africa, and I blame Matt for this one, there are a lot of things in here that I didn't know how to say. So I did have to go to uh, howtopronounce.com and stuff like that to figure some of these out. So I'll do and my it, best. And in, in my defense, I didn't realize it, mm-hmm. that, that there was so much that would be hard to pronounce. But when when we started researching it, I realized, oh, yeah, there's... There's a Dutch aspect mm-hmm. to their their dialect, and those words are hard to say. <laughs> yep. And I texted Matt probably two or three times, cussing him out for, for this. <laughs> and I told him, I'm going to get him back. I'm going to find something that his his stories are going to be so hard to pronounce that he's going to wish he hadn't picked South Africa for this one. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but now the Castle of Good Hope, it's located at Darling Street and... Budacant Street in Cape Town, South Africa. And I mean, a lot of this information that I got in the beginning comes from early colonial information site um, because they have documented the early colonial days of South Africa. Um, Now, the Castle of Good Hope, it's the oldest surviving colonial building in South Africa, which is fascinating just to begin with, with nothing else. Uh, The castle was built in the 1600s. So that is a, I mean, it's been around for a long time. Pretty old, yeah. Yeah. Um, And it was built in the shape of a pentagram. And it has five bastions on it. Now, a bastion, if you don't know, it's an angular defensive structure that projects outward from a curtain wall of a fortress. So usually it itself is triangular or pentagonal in shape. And these are... These aren't really triangular. They're not really pentagonal, but they're closer to the pentagonal. I'll put some pictures up on Patreon so you can see it. 
um, but they were used for advanced defensive artillery platforms, which allowed for a depth of a defense force that allowed assailants to not get close to the fortress. So mm-hmm. it, it would, they were able to, if you think about it, you've got a wall. Well, if you're shooting from the wall, people could walk along the side of the wall real close to it and avoid your arrows. Mm-hmm. But if you've got a bastion sitting out there, you can go step to the end of that bastion and shoot them against your wall. Right. Yeah. So it would, it, it's a great defensive fortification for something like this. And I mean, it is super cool. Yeah. Looking at it. I mean, yeah. it is the way it's built and considering when it was built. I mean, it, to me, I'm looking at it going, it's genius. Yeah. Um, you know, the way, the way it's constructed. But yeah, looking at aerial view of aerial view of it, man, it is it is nuts how yep. cool it looks. Yeah, and I'll I'll mention it later, but because you would think where it's at, where it's located and all that we'll get into, but you would think it would have been attacked so many times by militaries wanting to it's never been attacked. And it's probably because of how fortified this thing is. Um, but I'll talk about mo- that more in a minute. The castle itself blended both the medieval and English Renaissance architecture. And before land reclamation forced the building inland, it was originally a marker of the Table Bay shoreline. So the land reclamation, they were basically building on land I- into the water. So it was they didn't pick up the fortress and move the fortress back. They added more land to the front of it. So it pushed the water further away. Um, but this fortress was once the center of civilian, administrative, and military life in the Cape. The castle formed part of a formidable defense system at the Cape that discouraged attack. And like I said, it's never been attacked itself, which is just amazing to me. I know that especially considering its location and how strategic it would have been mm-hmm. to control that southern point of Africa. Yep. If you took that, then you could take the the southern coast of Africa, but nobody ever tried. And it's probably the building itself, the 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 structure of it and it it looks mean. Like mm-hmm. if you think about you're an attacking army, where are you going to go that you're not going to get hit? Mm-hmm. So it, it was very smart in doing that. Well, let's look at the building of it. Now, in 1664, there were some t- tensions between Britain and the Netherlands, and it renewed these rumors of war. So there was this fear of a British attack on the Cape. So with this, a five-pointed stone castle, similar to such fortifications in Europe and the East, was built. So this is all due to 1664. They thought there was going to be a war that landed on their shores. Well, the site of the castle was chosen in 1665 by the commissioner Isbrand Goske. Gosk, not sure. Didn't look that one up, sorry. <laughs> who later became the first governor of the Cape. Now, Peter Dombear, as the engineer, was responsible for the construction of the castle, which was Actually, it was the the castle itself was built by slaves and burghers. Now, historically, burghers refers to a non-slave or serf citizen of a town, typically members of the uh, wealth bourgeoisie, 
and the Koi Koi, which was the traditional nomadic um, indigenous population of southwestern Africa. So the the burgers, and I, I had to look this up because I didn't know it. I, I'm shocking that I didn't know something I know, but um, <laughs> the the burgers they were when that area was colonized and taken over. Well, there were certain people that were enslaved, but then they were they either paid their way out of slavery and indentured servitude, or they were just granted. You know, you don't have to be a serf anymore, whatever. So they uh, they they called them the burgers, B-U-R-G-H-E-R-S. Mm. So it, 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 all them and company workers built this castle. The foundation of the Castle of Good Hope, it was dug actually in 1665. And the cornerstones of the first bastion were laid on January 2nd of 1666. Well, after that, the building of the castle started with haste. They were like, we got to get this thing up and we got to do it now. There's going to be a war. Well, the, the building of the castle was actually delayed when peace returned to Europe in 1667. But the first bastion, Leardom, was completed on November 5th of 1670. It was followed by the Buren the Katzenellenbogen, Nassau, and Orange. The five bastions were named after the main titles of William III of Orange-Nassau on April 26, 1679. So the height of the walls of the bastion on the seaside are about 10 meters tall, and those on the land side were even higher. So it's not even across the whole thing, mm-hmm. but it makes sense on what you would do, you'd make the land side taller to make it harder to scale. Mm -hmm. The one on the sea side is a little bit shorter, so you can shoot stuff over it at ships or whatever. Right. But again, that's the the genius engineering. They didn't have to do that. (laughs) Right. They didn't have to be done, but that's what they were planning for. Yep. They didn't have to do it. Hey, it's, it's better to not need it and have it than need it and not have it. I mean, yeah, and and you might be right. I mean, you know, nobody, you know, with it there, you know, nobody felt like that it was worth, you know, the the loss of life that it would be to potentially fail. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe it was a big deterrent, and everybody yep. just said, "Yeah, well, we're not going to do it." Right. <laughs> now, in 1679, they finally completed the castle. And it was called a castle because of its defensive structure and because it had a small community, you know, on its own, like within it, which was similar to the castles in Europe. Mm -hmm. So inside the walls, there was a church, living quarters, bakery, offices, workshops, cells, and other facilities, just a bunch of stuff within the castle, which is cool. It was like its own town. So they, they did it a lot like the castles in Europe. So I I think that's cool too, just having Mm -hmm. all that. But they chose yellow paint for the walls of this castle because it reduced the glare from the sunlight and it reflected less heat because the African, South African sun is intense. 
Oh, I'm sure. And I was reading about it, and I don't know if you remember when Mandela was imprisoned there mm-hmm. and forced to work. He actually got damage to his eyes because he was out there in the South African sun working with no protection, and he actually damaged his eyes from the sun. So the the yellow paint was so that if you're looking at the castle, you're not blinded and roasted from yeah. the reflection. Yeah. I guess if you if you paint it white, it's going to reflect everything. Mm-hmm. But then again, if you paint it black or a dark gray, it's going to absorb all it that heat. It turns into an oven. Yeah. And then you're, you're walking around inside going, is it hot? Yeah. Is it hot in here to you? I, I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm roasting in here. Yeah, I, yeah your your buddy's over there. You know he's melting. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> it's like uh, the the Texas summer one summer when I was in marching band, we practiced on the blacktop. All of the soles of everybody's shoes were melted smooth by the end of the practice season. Oh my god! The tread had actually worn down from the heat, and. It, as you're walking and it's just the melting of the rubber. It was crazy, but be totally worse. If you were in a, in this castle in South Africa and somebody painted it black, yeah, you'd be, yeah. you'd be, I mean, shirt would just spontaneously combust. Now the castle, it can be entered through the main gateway, which was from the grand parade and central halls or the city hall side. Between 1682 and 1684, this entrance was built to replace the original entrance, which was situated between the Buren and Katzenellenbogen bastions. The pediment above the entrance bears the crowned lion with the seven arrows of unity in its paw, which was the coat of arms of the United Netherlands. There was also two smaller entrances to the castle. On the architrave below are carved the arms of the Dutch cities in which the United East India Company had chambers. So on either side of the entrance are the statues of Mercury, the god of commerce, and Neptune with the trident, which is the god of the sea. Mm -hmm. So interesting um, symbolism there because it was the hub of commerce and all that, and then it was right on the sea. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's all intentional. But it's all pretty cool. I like the the symbolism there. Now, the inner courtyard of the castle is divided by a wall. The wall is approximately 380 feet in length. It's 39 feet high, 11 and a half feet wide at the bottom, and six and a half feet wide at the top. This is a big wall. Mm-hmm. Buildings were actually erected on either side of the wall. And this was done to protect the citizens in the castle if it were ever to be attacked. So they thought, okay, if it's going to be attacked, the citizens can run to one side of the wall or the other and get away from the attacking army. Yeah. You know, we'll put the our army on the attack side and put them on the opposite side. Now, what I found was interesting is sundials were used to tell the time in the early years of the Cape. Well, there's a sundial on the eastern side, which is above the ceremonial office, and it was used to tell the time in the morning. In the afternoon, the sundial next to the balcony was used. The time of the sundials was the official time for the entire Cape settlement. So it's like we've got, you know, the back when we were younger, Matt, you had time and temperature that you could call. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was the official time, you know, before you got the the 
satellite clocks and all this stuff. Well, that's basically what this was. It was time and temperature. You called up the castle and he said, Hey, what time is it? And he, some dude ran out and looked at the sundial and goes, well, it's two shadows past three, you know? So <laughs> the, yeah, that helps me none. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, let's see. We're at 1800 shadows. What? I don't, huh? Well, the settlement was kept informed by the time, uh, which there was a, there was a bell in the bell tower. And so they, they were kept informed by the ringing of this bell every hour on the hour. Can you imagine how annoying that would get? You're, you're working, sitting at your desk, working, writing some tome or something with your quill. And you hear boom. And a little bit later, you've got nothing written and you hear boom again. And you're like, crap, it's been an hour. Really? Yeah. yeah. You know, that would just be annoying. I, I, I don't like to know what time it is when I'm working. Just let I me mean, work. There, there's a church up here by me that, you know, it still goes off. Oh, geez. You know, I think it's, it's cool, but it if, is I, cool. if I have to hear it while I'm working, that that's my, if problem. you were there, if you were like right underneath it, mm-hmm. you could see where it might not be cool <laughs> all the time every day. Right. Or if you were the dude having to ring the bell all the time. Yeah. Now. <laughs> You say, okay, you got sundials, right? Well, how do you know what time it is at night? Doesn't work because the sun's out. So if it was night or the sun wasn't out shining where you could pick it up, time was actually kept by means of an hourglass. So the Roddenganger, which was the guard on duty, turned the hourglass and rang the bell. So this dude had to sit there and turn the hourglass over every hour or two hours, however long, and he'd ring the bell every time he flipped the hourglass. In the middle of the night? In the middle of the night, he was ringing the bell every hour. That that would drive me nuts, Matt. I'd be the guy drive standing there nuts. in my pajamas going, man, I will pay you to not ring this daggum bell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would like just like, one night where you didn't wake me up every hour with this stupid bell. <laughs> yeah. But that guy off at nine o'clock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, there was a moat that was originally around this castle. Sections of the moat around the castle have actually been restored. Now the original moat was 82 feet wide and it was filled with water from the streams of table mountain. So it was a big moat. Well, the building of the moat started on November 26, 1677. But unfortunately, they said the moat quickly became foul smelling because of the drainage system that they had. It was inadequate. And the residents of the castle used it as a trash dump. Ah, okay. So that's, I mean, I guess even in the 1600s, people were like, oh, water. Let me throw crap in the water. It'll, it'll go away. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. that's right. Great. So in 1896, the moat on the seaside of the castle was filled up to make way for the rail line that came through. Well, then later, the whole moat was actually filled up. But I think it's cool that they've restored some or all of it. I don't know how much of the moat they've restored, but they've restored at least part of it. Now, the Castle of Good Hope was used as a prison during the Second Boer War. And Boers, those are farmers. So that's 
if you're not in South Africa, you've probably heard of the Boer Wars, Mm -hmm. but you didn't maybe like me know what a Boer was. It's a farmer. Um, And that was from 1899 to 1902. Well, Fritz Joubert Duquesne, leader of the Duquesne spy ring, was caught and imprisoned here. He nearly escaped, though, by digging his way through the thick cement wall using just an iron spoon working night after night. I I don't know how you do that. I don't either. That is incredible. It's like Shawshank Redemption, you know. It's like, how how do you do that? Yeah, yeah. But used an iron spoon, and he almost got out. But the problem was, a large stone slipped and nearly crushed him to death. So he's tunneling through this wall. He gets to almost out, and then a stone close to the outside loosens and falls on him, and it almost crushes him to death. Well, he was found by his guard the next morning, unconscious, but still alive. There's a torture chamber in the castle. You can't have an old castle without a torture chamber. And that's where that poor guy went. Yeah, right. Exactly. (laughs) Once he was back to health, that's where he went. Um, But the torture chamber was called Donker Gat or the Dark Hole, and it's a windowless dungeon. It's what you expect from a dungeon, windowless, dank, dark. But one of the messed up things is that it flooded in the winter. So if there were prisoners in there during the winter, they drowned in the dungeon just from it flooding. And that was just okay. Yeah, they just let it happen. They... They didn't say, oh, well, this is flooding. We need to move it, you know, better conditions for our prisoners. Yeah. They just said, well, we'll just torture them till winter and then they'll drown. And then we'll put new prisoners in there the next year. Yeah. And, and that the Come spring, we'll get a new set of prisoners. <laughs> the donker got reminds me of, um, the, the oubliette, um, yeah. you know, that, that, that European castles would have, Yeah, you know, that, that essentially just a hole mm-hmm. where they just, you know, push the prisoners down. Okay. You're done. Yeah. And they were just left in there to die. Yep. Yep. It uh, stuff like that. It, it get, I can't imagine it. Um, but the Zulu King, uh, catch also spent time as a prisoner in the castle. And this was after he was captured in the Nome Forest after the defeat of the Zulu Nation by the British at Ulundi in 1879. Well, subsequent to the defeat of Ulundi, which dealt a death blow to the Zulu kingdom, King Kechweo achieved the greatest victory against the British forces ever achieved by an indigenous army at the Battle of Essendwala. So in 1936, the castle was declared a historical monument. Now, from 1669, it was known as a national monument. And since April 1st of 2000, it was known as a provincial uh, provincial heritage site. The first site in South Africa to be protected like that. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Now, there have been extensive restorations on it that were completed during the 1980s, and it made the castle the best-preserved example of a Dutch East India Company fort. So prior to being replaced in 2003, 
I, I just I had to add this because I thought this was kind of cool. Prior to being replaced in 2003, the distinctive shape of the pentagonal castle was used on South African Defense Force flags. It formed the basis of some rank in- insignia of major and above and was used on the South African Air Force aircraft. So it it was replaced. Apparently it's not that anymore, but that's what they they had picture of this fortress. You know, yeah. like an outline of this fortress on flag uh, majors and above would have it on their lapel. It, I mean, it just stood for uh, high ranking and and mean. You know, <laughs> I mean, it well, was it was intimidating. It just goes to show how um, integral it is to the history of South Africa that they they recognize it on you know on those on, on flags and on and on uniforms so it's a key part of their history you know what adam I, we've all got bad habits mm-hmm. i've i've got a bad habit well i've got multiples <laughs> you you've got yep. probably way more than i do um <laughs> true <laughs> uh and, and and you know Stopping habits, cold turkey is really tough. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it, it is it is the hardest way to do anything like that. So finding something that can make it a little bit easier uh, and and to help you really kick a bad habit, um, you need something, and that's where our sponsor Fume comes in. Right, because Fume takes the problem and looks at it in a different way. Not everything that's a bad habit is wrong. So instead of drastic, uncomfortable change, why not just remove the bad from your habit? That's right. Fume is an innovative, award-nominated device that does just that. Instead of electronics, Fume is completely natural. Instead of vapor, Fume uses flavored air. And instead of harmful chemicals, Fume uses all-natural, delicious flavors. So you you get what we're saying. Instead of bad, fume is good. And it's a habit you're free to enjoy and makes replacing your bad habit easy. Now, the cool thing that I've found with fume, well, there's a few cool things I've found with fume. I can walk around the store, and if that craving hits, instead of, I'll be back, running outside in the heat, the rain, the cold, and doing that, then I, I can just pull out the fume, breathe through it a couple times and I get that oral fixation that's really what is the root of the craving Mm -hmm. I can get that out of the way and it tastes good they have Mm -hmm. multiple different flavors to choose from uh, in their little pod things and you just put them in there breathe through it and it tastes great it feels great it's a metal and wood thing it's nice and heavy like it's weighted well so you feel like you're holding something it looks cool. I mean, it's got that wood grain on one end of it, and it's very tactile. If if you need like a fidgety thing, you can sit yeah. there and spin it and click it, or it's got a magnetized end that you can go chick, 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 chick. You know, get that hand fixation out of the way, the fidgeting thing. That's right. I, I, I love that aspect of it and the weight of it. I mean, you know, you could stick a toothpick in your mouth or a straw. It's not. It's not exactly the same, you know. When you got something that's of 
you know, it's substantial. You know, it feels different and it, and it helps with those uh, those urges. That's right. And you can join Fume in accelerating humanity's breakup from destructive habits by picking up the journey pack today. Head to tryfume.com. That's T-R-Y-F-U-M.com and use the code TAILS, T-A-L-E-S, to save 10% off when you get the journey pack today. Stopping is something we all put off because it's hard, but switching to Fume is easy. Head to tryfume.com, T-R-Y-F-U-M.com, and use our code TAILS, T-A-L-E-S, to save 10% when you get the journey pack today. And, and you hear, you know, it's been used for different things and not always pleasant. Right. And because of this and, and because of its uniqueness in, in the shape and the styling and the fact that it was so old, you legends began to rise about uh, the Castle of Good Hope. And the the one one legend that is the most common one you find um, is kind of a backstory as to why it may have so much paranormal activity. And so this is how this, this legend goes one night when the full moon shone over the old castle, a group of brave adventurers decided to explore and find out the truth of why this seemingly peaceful place had become such a source of fear and terror. After making their way through the gates, they soon discovered that the place was animated by supernatural forces as a pair of glowing red eyes could be seen in the shadows and endless screams echoed in the air. As the group delved deeper into the castle, they were filled with an unexplainable dread as if an unseen force was waiting for them. Eventually, they stumbled upon an ancient chamber deep within the castle where a gruesome ritual was being held. Mm. There, the witch from ages past had conjured a powerful demon that seemed to be the source of all the castle's haunting mysteries. With no other options, the group fought against this horrifying entity and managed to vanquish the beast and disperse the curse that had haunted the Castle of Good Hope for so long. Hmm. Though the castle had been freed from its dark curse, the adventurers knew that its walls still had held many secrets and the tales of what had happened within its walls still linger to this day. You know, so, uh, and, and that, that is a legend. You know, there is, there, there is no names, no times, no dates associated with it. It is a legend. Um, but as it mentions, the castle was already known to have quite a bit of supernatural activity going on within the walls. Now, as Adam said, the castle was used as a prison and numerous prisoner, prisoners were incarcerated um, and and they used that the Donker Gat or the Dark Hole as the torture chamber. And as Adam said, some, some people um, would die when the, when the hole flooded, but one other weird thing that they did 
is because this hole was windowless, it was pitch black, they would bring prisoners out of there blindfolded, walk Mm. them out, and then take their blindfolds off. Uh. Okay. Now, Adam already mentioned, you know, that Nelson Mandela, uh, his eyes were damaged by that South African sun. These people would come out after having been in total darkness for however long and then just exposed to the sun and it resulted in instant blindness. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, your your eyes are have ba- probably barely gotten accustomed to pitch blackness right. and then you're going to shine, you know, this, you know, the, the, the brightness of the sun, you know, in the Southern hemisphere right there at the tip of Africa and just blind these people. Yeah. So, you know, not, not a pleasant experience at all. <laughs> you were like, no. man, you could have just left me down there. Um, yep. They're like, oh, don't worry. We're going to put you back. You know, you're, <laughs> you're, you're blind. So it's all dark now. And then yeah, exactly. shove them back in the hole. But the first documented account of paranormal activity in the castle occurred in 1915 when a mysterious two meter tall figure was observed on the battlements of the castle. 1915. Hmm. This, this strange figure was again noticed in 1947 when it was leaping over the battlements. Now this strange uh, described semi-luminous ghost that was seen um it was reported over a period of a few weeks and it usually would walk somewhere between the Leardom and the Orange bastions. Okay. So the bastions all had names and that's where, you know, this figure was, uh, was seen, but then it would be seen leaning over the parapet, staring down onto those people on Darling street. So it wasn't weird. It, it, it wasn't like a, a one shot deal. This went on for several weeks, and it had happened, you know, some thirty years before. Yeah, you know, the yeah. same figure in the same general location. Now today, workers and visitors report hearing voices and footsteps in the dungeon, down in the in the uh, in the dark hole in the Donker Gott and throughout the building's narrow corridors. The bell in the bell tower sometimes rings of its own accord. See, you know, they they were like, okay, we stopped ringing this bell in the middle of the night. But now some some ghost is in there ringing the stupid bell (laughs) in the middle of the night. Right. But here's the problem. Um, They bricked up the bell tower centuries ago. So there's there's Weird. no way anybody could get up there and actually ring it. But one legend uh, tells of a soldier who hung himself by the bell rope. So there's an idea that this must be that soldier's ghost that's ringing the bell. And so while I was I was typing this up, I was going, what what if? What if what was actually seen, what if you saw an apparition and it's not the ghost up there ringing the bell, it's him hanging himself by the rope. Oh, yeah. And that force of him hanging himself 
rings the bell. And if you could, if you got in there and looked, you could see the apparition hanging from the rope. Don't get me wrong. That's not what's been described. I just thought that that would be a really cool, spooky thing to happen. <laughs> yeah. That, that would, that would freak you out if yeah. you saw that for yeah. sure. But just the bell ringing in a, in a, in a, in a blocked up, uh, belfry. Uh, that's, that, that's really creepy because I mean, these type bells, it's not like jingle bells. There's no sleigh bells. They're up there going, <laughs> ting, 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 ting. I mean, these bells are huge. They are not, it's not something you can just go up and go ring. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. y- you really got to put some force into it. So if, if an entity was going to be able to generate enough energy to ring this bell, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot of energy, you know, for something that's that size. Um, to be moved and then, you know, loud enough to strike. So I thought, I thought that was, that's a, that's a pretty cool story to go along with this castle. But other stories have told about footsteps that pace along the battlements between the two bastions of Leardon, of Leardom and Buren. After World War II, these footsteps were accompanied by a floating human shape without legs. So, I thought that was very unique. We've we've got um, disembodied footsteps, mm-hmm. but for some reason, after World War II, along with those footsteps, there was an apparition of of a legless individual, a legless human shape, almost like a soldier who had lost his legs in the war. So you know. I mean, I've not ever heard of that where it's like, no. yeah, the haunting that occurs right here is footsteps, you know, but after a while they, they added an apparition to it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yep. wait a minute. That's like something Disney does at the haunted mansion, <laughs> you know? Right. The, oh, the, we've, we've replaced the footsteps with an actual apparition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now there's. I could not find a lot about this. There is said to be the ghost of a sad-faced woman. That's all she's described as, a sad-faced woman. She wears a long gray cloak, and she walks through the castle at night. Now, of course, she is sometimes referred to as the lady in gray. So, Mm, you know, everybody's got to have a lady in whatever, whatever color clothes. Right. You know, um, and and this one is no different, but I did find it where they they referred to her as a sad faced woman. No no other information I could find about who this might be, um, because they have associated some of the hauntings with individuals um, that were there at the castle um, over the centuries. Adam will like this one. There is a a a, a spectral black dog. That is said to haunt the castle grounds. It actually lunges at people. And right before it would get to them, it disappears. Man, that'll make you poop yourself. Yeah. Now, I mentioned that that luminous guy that was, you know, he would seem leaping Mm -hmm. from the, uh, the castle walls. Well, when that guy jumps... He falls all the way, but disappears before he hits the ground. Hmm. Uh, 
there is a, a situation where a man and a woman's voices are heard arguing, arguing near the guards room. Okay, so you hear you hear the sound of two people arguing when they go check it out. There's nobody there. Um, but what they do see is this weird, shapeless figure. So I kind of, I guess, kind of like a dark, like a mist. Yeah, like a mist or a, or a shadow, but but not a form of a person or anything distinct. But there's an electrical bell that's heard right here hmm. um in this same area where the argument occurs where the the shapeless form is they hear an electrical bell and i was trying to think what is an electrical bell i guess it would be like a modern telephone um yeah. Yeah. Would, would have an electrical bell um but there's nobody there that would cause it to ring and i'm not even sure they know what's ringing that's you know, weird. it's not like there's a payphone sitting right there. Maybe somebody <laughs> during restoration shoved a weird phone or something in That's there, right. and they just just shoved it down in one of the rocks. You know, mm-hmm. this Call will be occasionally this will just be to fun. Freak people out, yeah, yeah. It, it, well, they'll get a kick out of this. But to this day, soldiers who guard the castle would rather walk all the way around the outside of the building rather than pass through the haunted archways in the wee hours of the morning. Understandable. Yeah. I mean, that, you know, it's, I mean, it's creepy. And if you're out there in the middle of the night walking around, you know, you're like, if you go over there, you're going to hear some of this stuff and it'll, it'll freak you out. So let's go around. Yeah. <laughs> take the long way. Let's go take the long way. <laughs> and, and, uh, Hilton Fredericks, uh, who has done guard duty, uh, on that 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. shift. He says bizarre things do occur in these hours. He says one night a guard heard someone screaming for help and voices coming from the dungeon and the torture chamber. When he went to investigate, there was no one there, but he felt a presence. His body became ice cold and the hair stood up on his arms and on the back of his neck. I'd make a terrible guard because if there was nobody, I knew there's nobody in the dungeon. And I heard somebody screaming for help. I don't know if I'd go down there. That's right. It's like, okay, <laughs> it's three o'clock in the morning. Somebody's screaming for help in a dungeon. I know is empty. I ain't doing that. Yeah. I, hey, uh, Bill, it's your turn <laughs> to go check the creepy dungeon. I mean, it's not like people just didn't know it was there. And they just walked by fall in. Right. You know, Hey, right. <laughs> right. I help, got, I got up to enough. get a glass of milk and I fell in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Now, he also says that some of the guards refuse to go past the Donker Gott um, when they're making the late night rounds because they say it feels like there's a powerful force or a vacuum that wants to suck them in. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. You know, there's that there's that phenomena where you when you stand on the edge of something really tall that it's called the call of the void. I think mm-hmm. is what it is where that, that yep. urge you have to just jump off into it. Yeah. You know, so I don't have that crap. I don't no. either. I'm like, no. I, I want to go the other way. Yeah. yeah. I'm the dude backing up or getting down on all fours <laughs> and slowly backing away from a high precipice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not big on heights either. 
Nope. I'm not so much afraid of heights as I am of falling. And so falling occurs at the edge. So mm-hmm. that's why I stay clear of the edge. Well, and mine's not so much the falling, it's the sudden stop at the end that's that right. I'm I'm more worried about. Oh, I had a shirt in high school that said, uh, it's not that life is so short, it's uh, that you're dead for so long. Yeah, that's a <laughs> good saying. Yeah. All right, so Fredericks adds that in 1952, a couple were granted permission to spend a night in the castle during the Van Riebeck Festival. During the night, they woke up to find a Lance Corporal waking up the soldiers. When they asked what he was doing, he said the bus drivers and bus conductors were protesting and rioting in the city streets. Okay. Okay. The next day, Interesting. when the couple tried to find out about this incident, there was nothing in the newspapers. They asked the staff what had happened during the night, but no one knew what they were talking about. Mm. So this was obviously, you know, a, a, a spirit that was replaying an event that could have happened, you know, stone tape, you know, years and years ago. I'm assuming yep. it wasn't that far, you know, this is 1952. Yeah, so buses. Buses, you know. <laughs> it's not like they had buses in the 1600s unless it was That's right. <laughs> a bus pulled pulled by a horse or something. So it was it was pulled by a greyhound, you know. Ah. It was a cart, they had a greyhound dog. That's where and, they started. That's where the bus start line started. And that is the angry dog figure that you see at the castle. That's exactly right. They just had, mad a, he had, had, had a, a bunny a on a stick and a string, and they held it out in front of him, and <laughs> mm-hmm. he took off. All right, we're on our way. Still to this day, he's chasing a bunny. <laughs> now, Ashley France, who was a tour guide and guard at the castle, said that when he first did his ghost shift in the 1990s, he had a frightening experience. He said it was pitch dark when he was walking through the archway near the Donker Gott, and it was late at night, and a strange feeling came over him, and he saw someone waving at him. He said, Did he wave I, back? <laughs> <that's> <laughs> hey. Yeah. Hey, what's up? Let's go. <laughs> yep. I'm just going to back away slowly and wave. Hi. <laughs> Uh, most, you don't hear a lot about ghosts that wave to you. No, yeah, you nice. don't. They're friendly. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> Unique. Yeah, but France says, uh, I knew there were only two of us on duty, and the other guard was on the other side of the castle. I couldn't get out of there fast enough. I tore a piece of my pants and scraped my shin when I ran past barbed wire near the gate. Yeah, and he tore the piece <laughs> of his pants because he projectile pooped out the back of it. <laughs> Yeah. Wave and he's like, oh, no. <laughs> like Bugs Bunny cartoon with little hairpins are spinning <laughs> where they were. Or the and then poof. All right. Abe Berg, who has worked at a caretaker at the castle for more than a decade, uh, is another one who is experienced with uh has experiences with the spiritual realm. Uh he says with fear evident on his face. He said one night uh, there was a function at the castle. He had to sleep over because there was no transport to take him home. During the night, I felt this heaviness on my chest and my body felt as if I was tied up. I couldn't move. 
Eventually, I struggled free, kicking and screaming, and ran out of the room. I stayed awake until sunrise. I bet you did. Mm-hmm. He's afraid to go back to sleep, you know? Yeah. That sounds awake like too. A, a sleep paralysis it, kind of yeah. uh, condition there. Um, yep. That's and, what I thought. And maybe that was brought on by all the other activity that's going on. Yeah, could be. Or there was something there that was causing it, just one entity that was causing it and just messing with him. Yeah. Because he was there, you know, mm-hmm. Hey, what are you doing here? You know. Yep. There's nobody that sleeps here anymore. Yeah. Now the education, education officer at the castle, Carl Kapersky, uh, says he often works l- late at night and that there's definitely a presence. Sometimes it's uncomfortable, an uncomfortable feeling. He said, but you are definitely not alone. He says you are being watched. Yeah, now, that's a creepy feeling. Uh-huh. Now, Lady Anne Bernard is another spirit that's known to haunt the castle up until this day. Now, Lady Bernard lived there in the late 18th century. As the first lady, she was responsible for entertaining important guests that visited the castle. She seems to keep on doing this, even though she passed away over two centuries ago she appears whenever the castle is visited by important people. So, you know, wow. here here is a spirit that is just replaying her role. You mm-hmm. know, and and th- that is an intelligent haunting. You yeah. know, if 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 her spirit is only seen or more commonly seen during events at the castle or when there's um esteemed guests that are coming for a visit, and then she appears that that is that's that's intelligent yeah. you know that's that's not stone tape that's not just replay that that's a spirit making a decision oh it's it's time for me to to do my duty highly aware of what's going on around her exactly exactly because at two centuries ago she's not gonna know who you know is this person important is this person a tourist is this mm-hmm. just some you know average joe or is this some diplomat um but apparently some dummy she... with a podcast coming <laughs> to check out the... yeah so it doesn't say how important you know you got to be to get lady bernard to appear true um you know we might be important enough we could maybe. be so maybe it's worth a shot if i dress up maybe <laughs> now there's another ghost that keeps popping up and and i love this story this is great and it's Governor Peter uh, Gisberg. I don't know what G-I-J is. So I had one, too. Um, Giz- Gisbert, probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Peter Giz- Gisbert. Uh, actually, his full name is Peter Gisbert Van Newt. Mm. Now, like I said, he was the governor, and it said that he was a very strict and militant man. During his time, Van Newt sentenced seven men to death on April 23rd, 1728. He refused to grant a prisoner's last wish right before his hanging. The prisoner then cursed Van Newt. Later that same day, Van Newt was found dead in his office. Oh, wow. He had died of a heart attack, even though he was completely fine that morning. 
today, workers and visitors experience his bitter presence, and they often hear him cursing and swearing inside the castle walls. <laughs> that would be me as a ghost. <laughs> Why the am I still here? <laughs> if I get asked to turn on another gun, light, I'm going <laughs> to. If one more jerk in a totally black outfit comes here and bows up on me i swear to i'm gonna eh. but that's crazy you know bagels i I mean just the actual story of him dying in his office Mm -hmm. after he was cursed by one of the prisoners that was being executed i know skeptics would say well you know you can be fine and your heart just shuts down yeah it can yeah it can i mean but that's just weird coincidence and you know me i'm not a big fan of coincidences Uh, there's usually a reason for everything and i I know you know then you wouldn't have the same understanding of medical knowledge to look at his heart and go oh yeah you got plaque build up and yeah that's why he had a heart attack but dang that's weird i know it's i mean what are the odds that those two things would happen simultaneously mm-hmm. and that one didn't have anything to do with the other. But I, I, I included this, even though this is not necessarily, uh, di- well, it's not directly related to the castle of good hope, but it is related to Cape town. And it's, it's a very famous story. And there's, like I said, another well-known ghost that is found around the Cape. And that is the flying Dutchman. And the Flying Dutchman is a sailing ship that appears out of the mist and then suddenly disappears again. Now, the legend has it that the Dutch that the Dutch sea captain was making his way around the Cape into the teeth of a terrible gale that was lashing the Cape at the time. His passengers and crew begged him to turn back, but he refused and continued to drink and sing obscene songs. <laughs> He even challenged the wrath of God by swearing a blasphemous oath. Fearing for their safety, the crew and passengers rebelled, and in the fight that followed, the captain killed and threw the body of the leader of the mutineers overboard. As his body hit the sea, a shadowy figure appeared on board and told the captain he was a very stubborn man. The captain threatened the shadowy figure with his gun and ordered him off the ship. When he was ignored, the captain took a shot at the figure and his gun blew up in his hand. The shadowy figure then cursed the captain and told him that as a result of his actions, he was condemned to sail the seas for eternity, never reaching port or having a moment's peace. The captain was also condemned to drink gall. For the rest of eternity. And uh, if you don't know what gall is, it's essentially like bile, you know, Ugh. that green stomach acid stuff, you know, disgusting. Mm-hmm. And then to consider this guy was now cursed to drink it for the rest of eternity. Um, but the but since that time, the Flying Dutchman has been seen. Uh, sailing the sea routes, leading ships astray, and onto hidden reefs. Um, so all of that right there at Cape Town. And and uh, amazingly enough, there's 
there is a lot of haunted history in Cape Town. Um, but by far, you know, the Castle of Good Hope is, you know, the most active uh, yeah. location yeah. there in, in South Africa. And, and you know, it's it, not only that, it's one of the oldest buildings or the oldest building. Um, and it, and, and, you know, it's got all this history. So, uh, a- along with all that, and then being right there at the sea, it just seems like there's a, it's just a buildup of energy that, you know, allows these entities to persist even, even to the modern day. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, and when I, and, and we've talked about the flying Dutchman before Adam, you and I have, um, yeah. and, and it was really cool because, I had never heard this version of the legend and, uh, and, and, you know, that it was so closely tied, um, to South Africa. I was going to say, I never really knew it was tied that closely to South Africa or the Cape of good hope. Yeah. Uh, But it makes sense. You know, it's the flying Dutchman. And like I said, you know, you know, Dutch history is, is a big part of, of South African history. So, um, I thought it was just, I thought it was amazing. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, so, so much different activity going on, you know, there in the Castle of Good Hope. You know, everything from, you know, voices and footsteps to entities, uh, full-on apparitions, you know, so much stuff. And, you know, even you could tie, you know, a ghost ship in there with it. Um, It it really, I mean, I think it... uh, it lives up to its title as the most haunted place in South Africa, for sure. I agree. I agree. But what do you guys think? Um, I know we have at least one listener that's been with us for a long time that's that's in South Africa. We, we actually met this guy uh, at one of our live events several years ago. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm just, I'm curious, have we, have we garnered some more listeners? I, I have a feeling if you live in or around Cape Town or probably anywhere in South Africa, you know, the, the castle of good hope, you know, some of the stories and legends. And if there's some that we didn't mention, we would love to hear them. Um, the best place to share those things is in our Facebook group. It is called the graveyard thousands of members. It is incredibly active and and it's a safe place. Nobody's going to make fun of you. We just want to hear those great stories and personal experiences. Um, so, you know, if you haven't already, jump in there and uh, check out, you know, one of the best groups, you know, out there. And when you're done there, you can slide over to our website, which is graveyardpodcast.com. And there you can find links to purchase Graveyard Tells merchandise. You can listen to the show and you can become a patron we always, you know, take time every show to thank our, our Patreon followers. You know, their donations are what allow Adam to, and I to continue to do this and, and do it at the level that, you know, we, our listeners expect, you know. Right. So, you know, thank you for that. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. It brings us up the chart and it makes it easier for people to find the graveyard. So. Until next time, we'll save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon.